Democrats keeping Representative Dean Phillips and President Joe Biden's other opponents off the state's primary ballot, effectively handing Biden the state's 250 delegates, according to Politico. Thursday marked the deadline for the Florida Democrat and Republican parties to submit their list of approved candidates for their respective primaries. Biden was the lone name on the Democrat ticket per Politico. Phillips took to Twitter to contend that the move disenfranchises millions of Florida voters and said he's going to challenge, quote, this absolute nonsense. This was a posting that uh, this is a Democrat member of Congress who announced some time ago, he's from Minnesota, that he was running for the presidency. He's been pretty clear he doesn't feel that Biden has what it takes to continue to be president, let alone running for an entire Say, you know, going through the, the rigors of a cam- of a presidential campaign regarding the anointment of Biden in Florida, he had the follow- <clears throat> excuse me, he had the following to say: It's like extorting Jerry Nadler oh, with sal. Wrong audio. Please hold, and here we go. Hey everybody, what happened in Florida yesterday is a tragedy and a travesty. The Florida Democratic Party decided, just a handful of people, decided to disenfranchise millions of Democratic voters in Florida by saying we're not going to have a presidential primary. I'm running for president. There are others running for president as Democrats. And this is the kind of stuff that happens in Tehran, not in Tallahassee. We've got to do something about this. I've been a lifelong Democrat. You know that. Supported our party since I was in my 20s. Been a member of Congress for three terms and was a member of House Democratic leadership. I've never seen something so absurd, so disenfranchising, and so suppressive of Democratic voters. So please help us out. Go to Dean24.com and support our effort to pursue legal channels to rectify this absolute nonsense, tragic day for electoral democracy in America. Thanks, everybody. Mm, Sounds almost as if he's trying to incite some sort of uprising. Now, this, of course, is the party that continues to claim that if Trump's ever in power again, it will be the end of democracy as we know it. You've had Democrats, elected Democrats, claim that he would just cancel elections that were inconvenient for him. And here this party is doing just that. Well, I mean, it's clear Biden was going to win anyhow. Oh, is that how it works? So the guy who is in in the presidency, when he deems or his party deems, there's not really a need for an election. He's he's going to win this anyway. Just cancel the election. Once again, what we watch on full display is what the Democrats claim Trump is all about. Once again, we see on full display the Democrats doing what they claim a dictator. It's interesting that this Democrat candidate for the presidency is like, this isn't Tehran. Well, if the Democrats have their way, apparently it is. Where's the outrage from the media? Where is the dire calls about the end of democracy as we know it? 
Where, where is the hand wringing? Where is the discussion about what so- sort of message does it send to the rest of the world? Where are the conversations about what right do we have? You know, just a couple of weeks ago, Biden lifted sanctions off of Venezuela because it's a dictatorship. And that's what this administration loves to do is help dictatorships financially and terrorist. And the conditions for the dictatorship of Venezuela in order to have those sanctions lifted would be that they would allow the opposition party to decide whom the candidate's going to be. Which, of course, is something that we have seen Democrats in this country try to stop through the courts from Trump being on the ballot. And the dictator of Venezuela did the exact same thing the Democrats have been trying to do in this country. And in order to get the sanctions listed, oh, yeah, sure, we'll allow them. We'll allow the political opposition to choose their candidate. Oh, but that one there that they're choosing, um, we're going to use the courts to say he can't be on the ballot. It's the same thing. What does that tell you when dictators are taking a cue from this administration? And then the just this, the conditions are perfect. Here you have somebody challenging Biden within the Democrat Party, and he's being told you can't be on the ballot. In fact, none of you can be. <laughs> but Trump is the one that's going to cancel elections. Isn't it funny? This is you, you, the only time Democrats recognize that Democrats rig elections is when they're on the receiving end of it oh they have no trouble making comparisons to tehran they have no trouble demanding recounts they have no trouble pointing the finger at ballot stuffing or ballot harvesting if they are on the losing end of it and of course when they're on the losing end of it it's in a primary scenario because democrats are the ones who do these things So they don't really have to worry about it so much in a general election. So from the party that continues to warn us of a dictator Trump who's going to take away our right to vote has canceled the primary election in Florida. Oh, now they're still going to have it, but Biden's the only option that Democrats are going to (laughs) have to choose. It's perfect. Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Luna. Putting crime into focus this morning, a Springfield man charged with DWI that resulted in a deadly crash in 2021 is expected to enter a plea in court today. Authorities say Gary Calhoun Jr. was high on meth when he caused a head-on crash on Cherry and Glenstone, killing two people. One year later, he was pulled over for driving under the influence and police found drugs and paraphernalia in his vehicle. Back in January, Calhoun Jr. was charged with five counts stemming from the two separate incidents. He's expected to appear in court this morning to enter a plea. We'll let you know what happens in court. A man from Lebanon was killed in a motorcycle crash over the weekend. Troopers say 48-year-old Ryan Fox was heading northbound on State Highway 5 north of Mansfield when he went off the right side of the road and hit an embankment. Fox was thrown from the bike and died at the scene. From Color 10 Studios, 
I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49. Meteorologist Tom Schmidt, partly cloudy today, a high near 50. Mostly clear down to 35 tonight. Sunshine, a high near 48 tomorrow, though in the morning could feel as low as 28. Sarah Myers. Thank you. If you're looking to do some firearm shopping and you're looking for a quality shop, then look no further than Quick Draw Gun in Monette. Now, you can get lost in the shuffle at bigger box stores, but that is not the case at Quick Draw Gun, which is one of the reasons I... I recommend them. Brad and his team, they take the time to get to know you, what you're looking for, and then they're able to steer you in the right direction. And that was big for me, uh, especially since I purchased my first firearm. I had a lot of questions and I didn't exactly know what I was looking for, but the entire team, they did a fantastic job helping me out. Now, whether you're looking to add to your collection or you're needing firearm accessories, or maybe you're like me and you're new to the firearm world, you're in good hands with Brad and his team down there at Quick Draw Gun. You can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at KSGF.com. And now of Congressman Burleson with us. Welcome to the show. And I'd like to start off asking you about Hunter Biden, a public testimony offer, uh, which, of course, is clearly a ploy. This is an offer that was made by the Hunter Biden people. That, I'll testify, but I want to do it out in public, to which, of course, you've got Johnson and others like, no, 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 I don't think so. Uh, explain to people, if you would, the the benefits of first doing it behind closed doors before doing it out in the open, uh, as Hunter Biden was trying to lead with. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just ask you the question. If you are, if you're being investigated for criminal activity, would you rather be questioned by politicians or by prosecutors? Right. right. Yeah. And and yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that's what happens behind closed doors. They think it's just what happens when it is public testimony, but it's done secretly. And as you note here, it it's it's a much much different scenario. Yeah, it's done completely. And let me just first say. It's not behind closed right. doors. This is going to end up being public. Every word that's said will be, is transcribed and will be made public. But it will be done. Uh, and this is the way that it's always yeah. happened. This is the way that we always do it. <clears throat> we bring people in for deposition. They're sworn under oath. They're questioned by attorneys. And then after then we read, the members of the committee read the deposition and then we have a public hearing with the individual. We can ask questions based on the, the results of the deposition. So for Hunter Biden to say he doesn't want to do the deposition, that's a pretty smart move, um, but it's not going to work. Uh, but it would be if it did happen, it would be pretty good for his benefit because he would just go directly to the elected officials and make it into a complete circus Um as opposed to the seriousness that it is. One of the other differences that is significant, as I understand it, is during the the public component to this, uh, there, of course, are time limits that are allotted as opposed to the um, questioning by attorneys that is going to happen um, where there is not the limitations that are put on the public hearings, correct? Time-wise. That's right. That's right, because in a deposition, the attorneys have no time restraint. They can they can continue down a line of questioning that uh, is you know coherent and is able to get to the substance of an issue. However, 
when you're in a public hearing, what you're doing is you're taking turns and mm-hmm. every elected official only gets five minutes and you're likely to repeat what everybody said before. And you're likely to not be um, able to get down to the nitty gritty on some of these details of these issues. There's been so much back and forth. Is, is it assumed expected that he is going to comply with the subpoena or is that something that's still up in the air? I, I don't I think that um, I think that this is the reason why we probably need to have that formal vote mm. for impeachment inquiry, because once we're in that impeachment mm. inquiry, then we can we have a legal standing. Right. If, okay. to, to force him to this to testify. We have a legal standing to force um, him to give up the documents that we've subpoenaed. And right now they they are holding back everything they can. Are we any closer to that that formal component to things of impeachment inquiry? I, I think that this week um, we probably will have that vote because Johnson has been whipping the conference, and I think that uh, he, I think he's announced publicly that he has the votes for impeachment inquiry, and and I I kind of assumed that he did because there were members who. Um, had form- had been opposed to impeachment. Some of the more moderate members, he came out publicly to say would support the inquiry. We're talking with Congressman Burleson. I want to ask you about the, the House expelling Santos, what your position was on that. And then, um, you know, it, some of the debate has been about the contradictions. And, and you've got some individuals like Congresswoman Tlaib, who's just a flat-out terrorist sympathizer. One of the arguments for expelling Santos has been, well, he's been indicted, to which others say, well, over in the Senate, I mean, you've got Menendez. He, he's facing indictment. Or, uh, yeah, Menendez of New Jersey. Um, so what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I, I voted no because um, – I think at this time, without him being formally convicted, we're establishing a very dangerous right. precedent. And I, I mean, just think about when the Democrats were in control and we had, you know, people like Scott Perry, who's being accused for January 6th mm-hmm. activities. And, um, and so I, I they would have, they could have easily tried to say these, these people should be expelled from office. But, um, well, and not to but, mention the, but, the the further signal to the left to weaponize uh, prosecutors all over the country if the new standard that, had, well, it has been set, uh, that for Republicans, anyhow, indictments are all it takes to be expelled from Congress. I, I don't think anyone is naive to the fact that Democrat prosecutors have no trouble prosecuting, whether there's evidence or not, Republicans for anything under the sun. Yeah, that's right. Like, if um, if it as you know, it you can indict a ham sandwich. Yeah. And if our standard is indictment, you could have, you know, state and local prosecutors across the country, who are in Democrat areas, indict members of Congress, um, and and which would ultimately result in them being expelled. So I think that it's a dangerous precedent. I that's why I voted no, but there's. I'll tell you, Nick, this is why uh, just from spending time in the few short months that I've been up here, that you quickly see that our own party has got a lot of people who have been here too long. Mm -hmm. They are part of a system. 
they um, it's part of the good old boy system. And and I, I think that one of the things that was frustrating to one of the reasons behind this, one of the motivating factors behind Santos being expelled, uh, has to do with the fact that he he's a New Yorker, but he was voting very conservative, mm-hmm. not not as conservative as me or right. But he was voting oftentimes surprisingly with Freedom Caucus members on a lot of topics that and it would infuriate the members of the New York delegation because I'll tell you that's that's one of the dynamics up here is that there's elected officials find um, comfort in being in groups of, mm-hmm. of large groups of numbers. Right. So when, when if you take in a difficult vote, a lot of times you want to be with a lot of people so that you're not alone. Right. There's that herd mentality that kind of that's a very strong motivation. But the, he, he, by him bucking the system and bucking the votes of the New York delegation, that's why they were the ones leading the charge to expel him. Mm. Congressman Burles, uh, Burleson with us. And have one last question and then anything you want to add. Uh, uh, most Americans, I, I think, fail to realize or remember that all of the tax cuts that Trump signed in for um, Americans, income tax cuts, are temporary. And they are all of our taxes, if this isn't addressed, I think at the end of either going into 2025 or, or out of 2025, will expire. And we'll all see massive tax increases. We'll see those deductions um, uh, get slashed. And people are going to have even more of a difficult time than the Biden economy has already handed us. Um, is there any talk about dealing with this? I worry a little too much about, oh, well, we've got time. Um, and I also recognize, I'll say, that obviously you know, Democrats run the Senate. You have the Biden administration that obviously is not going to sign on the the extension of these or what I'd like to see permanent tax cuts. Um, but I think that it would be instrumental, perhaps, in the upcoming election to have them be forced to vote on this or to refuse to vote on it uh, because they can easily claim, well, if we retake the White House, we'll deal with it then um, and make people believe there's a chance that perhaps the tax cuts will stay in place should Democrats control uh, uh, you know, the House and continue to control the Senate and the White House. Uh, but, of course, they won't actually mean it and forcing them to have to deal with that. Now, is this on anyone's radar? What are your thoughts? It is. Um, I don't know where where they've got the if they have the votes to bring it to the floor or not. Um, sadly, there are Republicans who are not um, as fiscally conservative as we are. But I, I I think that it would be dead on arrival in the Senate, and then probably would have been would be vetoed by the by the president. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Well, sure. And well, at least and at least put it on their desk and make them choose to reject it. Right. And then, and then answer to the voters for it. I, well, I've always been of that opinion that we shouldn't let the Senate, what, the, what they're going to do, dictate what we're going to try to do. Well, and in, again, in addition to it, to show them here's what happens if Biden gets reelected. Um, not only have we just been through a punishing few years of losing buying power because of inflation, but your taxes, they will raise them. They will allow them to go up. 
And and this is the thing that kills me, and I know you get it as well. When we talk about um, fiscal responsibility, and even within the Republican Party, there are those that like to spend money too much. I mean, these tax cuts didn't, quote, cost the government anything. They they made money. There was more money they that came into it. the room. That's right. And so you would think that people who support or who do love to spend, spend, spend would be supportive of the tax cuts because they gave them more money to spend. Yeah, I I totally agree. And, and unfortunately, we are in the minority yeah. at this time. But um, I do have hope that we can take back the White House and that we can take back the Senate. I think that there's a lot of uh, – every time I'm, I'm in meetings, whenever I'm looking at numbers, the Senate looks like it's, it's – you know, it's – as long as everything goes well, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that we, we really have really strong chances of taking it back. Uh, uh, and then it, hopefully they actually do something with it. Any final – yeah, any, anything else before we, we let you go until next week? You know, I kind of came out pretty public in, the, in challenging leadership and to, to not back down to the Senate and to the president – that this is our moment. Um, they they have things that they feel like they, we desperately have to pass, and I feel like these must pass moments are moments where we can we we need to be bold mm-hmm. and be willing to. And I, my my attitude is: if you're not willing to shut down the government, you've already given up. Right. If you're not willing to let the Pfizer reauthorization bill expire, you've already lost. If you're not willing to let the National Defense Authorization Act expire you've already lost the the battle so i think we need to be willing to let these things go to the deadline and beyond and let them expire in in order to create the dynamic that forces the senate to take up some of our bills like securing the border and and all the other things that we want to see done congressman burleson as always pleasure appreciate being with us and um Barring any unforeseen circumstances, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Nick. All right, you Take bet. Care. Hey, you do the same. Springfield's Talk 1041. I am Nick Reed. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer. First alert forecast sponsored by Sinclair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Partly cloudy, a high near 50 today. Clear 35 tonight. Sunshine with a high near 48 tomorrow with wind chill values as low as 28 in the morning. The interpretation I got from Congressman Burleson is that there is there doesn't appear to be any sort of sense of immediacy about our income taxes going up uh, within the establishment Republican Party. Now, it is sometime down the road, however... To me, I cannot think of a better campaign issue. Now, you may recall the tremendous boost to the economy when the tax cuts, our tax cuts, went into effect, passed by Congress and signed by Trump. The... The income tax, there there were numerous, you had some corporate taxes in there, but the income tax portion and the deduction portion, that, those were temporary. 
which means that if they are not extended or made permanent, we, we thought we've been through punishing economy up until now. We, 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 I, it is almost incomprehensible to me that right now is not the moment that Republicans lead with this, or at least after the first of the year. It's incomprehensible to me. To, now, to me, this is an absolute negligent failure of Republican leadership. People really, really, really right now are not happy with the economy because of how they are personally impacted. Doesn't matter how many charts and graphs. It doesn't matter how many times the White House talks about the unemployment rate. Doesn't matter when there is a monthly report. Oh, well, the good economic news based off this or that. That's irrelevant to people. Republicans in my lifetime as an adult paying attention to these things, have never been in a better position in terms of the American people not at all happy with the Democrat Party and what they've done to the economy. And laying blame where it is earned, and that is with the policies of the Democrat Party. (laughs) Wait until... The average American realizes on top of it all, your income taxes are going to be going up in a couple of years if they're not made permanent or extended. There is a uh, GoBankingRates.com that that has a piece on this. Trump-era tax cut set to expire. Here's how much more you'll pay. And it notes when 2025 draws to a close, so will many of the tax cuts. So again, we've got, I know people, ah, it's 2023, we got a couple years. But do we really believe that if Republicans do not win things back, if Trump does not get back into the White House, do we, are, are we going to rely on Democrats to cut our taxes? And if they did, well, we're really talking about an upside down world. The tax rates, just as a reminder, so if you currently are paying 37% income tax, your tax increase will be uh, go up to 39.6%. It goes from those paying 32 to 33, those paying 24 will go up to 28, those paying 22 will go up to 25. Those paying 12, it will go up to 15. That is not to mention not the deductions. The standard deduction was, was nearly doubled when it comes to family, when it comes to kids. All that wiped out. So you're going to lose almost half the deductions. You'll have less money in your paycheck. And this is, again, on top of, what was it, the, the finding... Um, Last week, the math was done, and in order to maintain the same same standard of living, just with housing and food, you have to make almost $12,000 more a year than you did two years ago. I bet you, I bet most of you didn't even remember or realize that this tax hike is coming around the bend. Now, right now, Republicans control Congress. 
The Senate controls, the Democrats control the Senate, they control the White House. If you want to look at it from a strictly political perspective, this really is kind of a gift for Republicans. And a gift, it's a win-win. Now, let's say that Republicans bring this up now. Or in 2024, noting that next year these will expire. Now, the Democrats have one of two options. One, it can be just to not even bring it up in the Senate. Or perhaps because of the number of vulnerable Democrats in the Senate, um, you know, bring it up, allow them to vote on it, maybe even send it all the way to the White House. And then let Biden veto it for whatever reason, but then try and salvage and save the Senate for the Democrats. But that's still, that then is a win for Republicans. This is why we need to be in charge, because Democrats are going to raise your taxes. You thought you thought you were feeling financial punishment under their policies? You just wait. Now, of course, if they go ahead and pass them, let's say that they, okay, well, we've got to pass an extension on this. I would, again, make it permanent. I just can't see any conceivable world where they would make the Trump tax cuts permanent because then what are they doing? They are what? They're, they're going to make permanent or extend the policies of the guy that is trying to unseat Biden. That would be a real acknowledgement that, oh, yeah, his economic policies worked. Ours didn't. Inflation Reduction Act tanked the economy. But the thing that Trump did for the economy, we're going to extend. So I, I just cannot. And even if they believed that it is going to help them, I just, I just can't. They just wouldn't do it, would not do it. So what does that leave? That leaves Republicans putting on full display for the American people to see the Democrats blocking the extension or the making permanent of tax cuts. In other words, raising their taxes. It is not uncommon in a campaign cycle to be talking about tax cuts. And frankly, it's the sort of thing that oftentimes does not necessarily resonate with people. When the economy is doing really well, and you are talking about an income tax cut, that isn't necessarily something that is enough to sway people one way or another. But in this economy, and the White House and the Democrats' refusal to take responsibility for what they've done, and the aggravation that the American people have. I mean, we've got to understand, there are Democrats running that are vulnerable for re-election that are growing increasingly frustrated that the White House continues to talk about the economy's great, the economy's great, the economy's great. Because they recognize their constituents, the American people know it is not. You can say what you want about unemployment. You can say what you want about this, that. You can blame whomever you want. Things have gotten worse. And most of the American people recognize it's spending. It's the this ridiculously named Inflation Reduction Act. You want to talk about doubling down? Forcing Democrats to double down when doubling down has already harmed them. Again, I think that if the Democrats had come out and said, yeah, we really screwed the pooch on it, uh... 
we listen to the wrong people and we're going to try to turn this thing around. But that's not what they're doing. They're saying, yep, we did it. By the way, there's still more spending to come along the way, which is just going to make the problem even worse. And while they can run around saying, well, inflation's gone down, inflation's gone down, while the rate of inflation has gone down some, they quite frankly sound like they're lying about it, even though it's technically accurate, because people oftentimes infer inflation down means that prices have lowered, and they haven't lowered. They continue to go up. So even when they tried to defend themselves by noting that the inflation is coming down and they are technically accurate that that rate of inflation is coming down, people are thinking that they're saying that your prices are going down and they're not. So they just feel like it's another lie. And then they really want to go into the 2024 campaign. Fighting a battle over whether or not to raise your taxes. They really want to, on top of everything they are already, rightfully so, getting blamed for, economically speaking, then they want on top of that, no, we are going to raise your taxes. I mean, I don't know that there could be a greater political gift given to Republicans than this very thing right here, which makes me fear they're going to screw it up. This is such a no-brainer. And they may do it. But, I mean, this should be the economic theme. One of the areas, and and let me tell you another reason why. Well, I've got to get get a break in here. And I want to explain another reason why that Republicans need, they need to set the, the theme on this thing. And they need to set it over these, these, these tax cuts. And I'll explain why it's pretty important beyond the obvious reasons. Coming up next, I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers, everyone. Thank you. Well, winter will be here soon, so right now is a great time to get your home winter ready. And one thing that can give you a little peace of mind is a roof inspection with the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, Josh and his team, they can come out, do that roof inspection for you, and make sure that your roof is ready for that colder weather. Uh, And if something pops up, no worries, because Josh and his team, they've got you covered. From simple roof repairs to full roof replacements and even commercial roofing, the Pyramid Roofing Company is the go-to folks for all of your roofing needs. Now, if you want to go ahead and schedule that roof inspection, give Josh and his team a call today. You can find all of that contact information for the Pyramid Roofing Company under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Oh, I, I want to mention um, that uh, one of our advertisers you all are familiar with and if you attend like for example uh well our movie showing we did it at alamo and our happy hour uh some of the folks from uh wolf plaque wolf pack cleaners and of course they've run ads here but they are a new weather sponsor as well um i know during the morning show i'm not sure outside of that but even though they have been advertisers and they do if they they do the the um the work here at the station as well and they really do a tremendous, tremendous job uh, of, in fact, I, I would argue more so than anyone else has ever done. So I, I highly recommend them if you are looking for someone, whether it's your home or a business, Wolf, Pla- Wolf Pack Cleaners. 
Um, but I did want a, a special shout out, given that they are um, also now sponsoring weather during the morning show, in addition to the ad campaign that they currently run. So they're great folks. and We love having them as partners here on KSGF. Uh, all right. Text message. Let's see, Nick. The only thing wrong with the economy is inflation, which is caused by Trump spending eight trillion dollars in four short years. And Biden has done a good job bringing that down. Why? What do you not get about that? OK, well, now there is some truth to this, and this is. The point that I was going to make about Republicans need to set the defining component to this economy argument in the upcoming election. Now, this suggestion that Biden is the one that has cut spending is a lie. It's a total lie. And that's why it's being told, because they recognize that spending here is the problem. Trump did spend a lot of money, more than he should have. And one of the things that Trump said when he was running the first time around is that he would cut the spending. That has not happened. They would get the, the, the deficits would go down, and it didn't happen. Now, I know, we could talk about COVID, but there's still a reality of what that spending did, and that began inflation. Now, also the fact of the matter is, inflation under Trump was like 0.7, 1.2, So Trump can point to those numbers, but what Trump, if we are going to and if if Republicans are going to note the spending issue is the inflation issue, then it is going to legitimately allow the Democrats to say, well, you started the spending spree. So if I'm Trump, and I'm the Trump campaign, you can do one of two things. You can either ignore that or I wouldn't lead with it. But when it comes up, be like, yeah. The second part that my second term was going to be reining that in. We had to get the economy going, get that revenue coming in. You can accurately point out the fact that the tax cuts increased revenue, so it made money, and then that was going to be the component of, now, whether that's true or not, I'm just talking about the marketing of this, the presenting of this, who knows what would have happened if he had had the second term immediately after the first, but this is what I would be presenting out there. Now, of course, the lie is that the spending the the diminishment of spending is something that Biden did, and that's just not true. There was a set amount of COVID dollars, and once it was gone, it was gone, and it was gone. There was no more money for Biden to spend, to quote spend. So he didn't cut anything. That was part, you can't on one hand note that Trump is responsible for that spending, but then not note that he's responsible for the fact that the spending stopped because that was the the, the Trump spending that ran out. It expired. It was a temporary amount of dollars. I can guarantee you this is the, it's a combination of some truth but because with the left, they can't, they just can't help themselves but lie about things. They will note the truthful component of Trump and the massive amount of spending, but then they will lie and claim that they're responsible for the diminished spending that is, and you've heard Biden, and I, I cut the deficit by whatever these the numbers are, that of course it's not true. But this is part of the reason why the expiration of these tax cuts in terms of, of the timing right now is such a no-brainer for Republicans to start pushing. And and this is the other, and here's where it can also accurately be portrayed in the context of, of, of dealing with the deficit. 
is that the tax cuts brought more revenue in than they, quote, cost. So in other words, if, you know, you look at, okay, here's the government and the government accounting office, they say, well, once, you know, people are paying less in income taxes, that means that the government is going to lose, you know, $1 trillion. But what happened was, because more people had their that money, and because corporations had the money, they began creating more jobs, expanding, which of course means more people paying taxes, and there was a net gain on revenue coming in. So not only did it not, quote, cost the government anything, the government made money off it. Which means that when the taxes go up on the average middle-income American and lower-income American in this country... There's also going to be a depression of the amount of revenue that comes into the Treasury. So that's going to make that problem even worse. This needs to be defined, and it needs to be the, the, net, the upcoming 2024 year. Into the, this is, It's got to happen. Not just for political reasons, but because this is pretty important. And I don't know about you. But I really don't want to see what happens to this economy when everyone's income taxes go up. It's not about politics at that point. It's about trying to decide, in addition to the Bidenflation problem that we have in this country, what we're going to do when we cut an extra. However, you know, depending on your income tax bracket, how much less money you're going to have to deal with. I don't know. It's it's just, it'll be remarkable to me if Republicans manage to fumble this somehow. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. It's a, a frightening time for the average middle-income American right now, uh, and maybe lower income that was hoping to get out of lower into the upper income, and and just all of the challenges that the administration has put up. And when it comes to buying a home, sometimes you don't have a choice. You're moving. Or the family's expanding. Maybe you're downsizing. Maybe you have to downsize into something that is more affordable under the Biden economy. You want somebody that understands it, that gets it. And that's Emily Johnson House Theory Realty. For all of your home buying needs, your home selling needs, and any questions that you may have. She's not high pressure. You're not, not going to be one of those deals where oh, I called her once. Now she won't leave me alone. So now she operates. She doesn't have to. Emily Johnson House Theory Realty. KSGF.com under Nick's endorsements. Glenn Beck's next. Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Nick Reed.